Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 93. Happy opening day, folks. Steve, great to be here talking baseball with you. And thanks to all our listeners for sharing the one of the best days of the year with us for a little Wins Above Fantasy. We got a great show ahead today where we're going to be talking about what you should be thinking on in the first opening day weekend, get into some players we're watching specifically, some situation, a little strategy. We got a little bit of everything, Steve. I'm super pumped. You guys, we will be here every Thursday throughout the season. If you're just tuning in at Wins Above Fantasy, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Wins Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve? Happy opening day, man. What's uh, what's on the docket for you? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great day. It should be a national holiday. I know that's like a cliche and worn out thing with every big sporting event, but but for baseball diehards, like you know, at least call in sick or something. I I, I didn't. I'm still working today, but uh, <laughs> uh, not as we record this, but. You know, it, it, it's worthy of a holiday uh, for for us diehard baseball fans, and it's an honor to have a podcast that comes out on opening day. I feel like you know, it just this is just how it works out. We release on Thursdays, but it's it's an honor to be uh, released on the first day of the season. Uh, it, it's a cool thing, and we talk about it all winter and waiting for this day. And every day, every year, it's just. It's like the first day of school kind of thing, only a lot cooler, right? Because school kind of wears off, and then when you're a kid, it's like, oh, got to wake up for school every day. But baseball, it's it's just fun every day. Now for the next six months, uh, it's it's a great feeling, and uh, I, I I love the feeling of opening day. It'll never get old. Just oh. having a full season in front of us, it's it's, it's the awesome. Best, it's man. awesome, and 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 it's the worst when there's only like two games because yeah. you get so excited. Then you're like, that's it. I got to wait till tomorrow. But this year, they finally got. They did it. right. Tomorrow's gonna be rough though because there's only like two or three games. So it's like, it's like you know that first weekend in March Madness, right? I, I was talking about this with a buddy, right? Like you go from the field of sickly where it's 32 games, then it's this, uh-huh. then it's the round of 32. And then, you know, you're just, you get with from Thursday to yeah. Sunday, you're just basketball all day. And then Monday comes on. It's like, what do you do? It's like, that's what, what to, I, that's what tomorrow is going to be like, uh, just, you know, with baseball, but thankfully, uh, Saturday and Sunday will be jam packed, and then for the next six yeah, months, don't be getting picky. Yeah, don't be getting picky. Every, over every Friday and Saturday, Saturday and Sunday will be full of baseball. It's, it's great. It's great. We get to check lineups. We get yeah. to you know scour Twitter for the you know the hot takes and the latest and greatest. So we're gonna get into all of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm so excited, man. I, I always take off work for it, and usually go golfing and then watch some games. This year I'm taking off work and uh, had the terrible timing where I'll be on my India trip. So Steve will be uh, podcasting without me next week, uh, and hopefully I don't miss out on all of the 
you know, Spencer Striders of the world this season by missing uh, the first week off to have someone managing. So I know all our listeners care so much about that, Steve. Let's talk uh, the episode. So we've got overall approach, strategy. Then we're going to get into some situations, some things that we're watching for. And then stay tuned for the players, guys, because we're going to talk about probably 15 players or so that we're keeping an eye on even as early as this first weekend because you got to be quick to move. And that that's kind of our segue, Steve, into the approach, kind of the strategy, just big picture. Give me the Steve Giswelli mindset when you're uh, really the shotgun goes off and you're already scratching and clawing for any advantage in your leagues. As we're recording this on Tuesday night for the future for Thursday. I want this Thursday episode to be something that you could use in the future. So like, you know, like a, like a, an inception level podcast, like a dream within a dream. Like the goal here is to like, okay, these are names that you should be keeping out for. You'll, you'll want to add them next week, but like, look for them now, right? Like to, to try and give, give yourself a leg up. I, I don't know. That's a horrible explanation for, for, for what, street, though. for what, uh, what this is supposed to be. But, uh, I don't know if that made sense to anybody listening, but you know, it, this, the idea here is to give yourself a leg up and watch out for these guys and act quickly or just whatever strategy, whether it's a player or just what to sort of do. Um, that's what I think is is the goal of this episode and, and, and what to do and, and what it will will help you with, right? Um, yeah. Just some guys to it's watch like, for. It's like it's hard, yeah. to give, it's hard to give advice on what to do when you're listening to this right now, which is what you should be doing. Okay. So you're in the right okay. place. Here, right? Here's, here's, here's a real-life example. Like, oh, if only I was watching out for, like, Adelise Garcia on opening day and bought into his – two homer and one steal weekend. Like if I thought that was real, like hopefully this identifies a player or two. That's like, Oh, look at this. He did this. I want to, I want to jump on it. Like I, I want to jump on the Adelise Garcia ad. That's a league winner early on. Yeah. I, I'm not saying we're going to do that, but that's, that's what I hope we can try and do. I think we got some good shots yeah. at it, Steve. So that that's kind of the, the jump off point to topic one, which is, the, the tools and the resources that we would recommend for someone who's listening. So, I mean, just to start, I think that one thing that I try to do extra on opening day is tune into the podcast. You know, there's a bevy that are out there in the, in the industry. That's great. Uh, you know, you got your first pitch podcast from Pitcherless as a little 15, 20 minute recaps Every day, which is great for the latest news. Uh, updates. Shout, shout out uh, Casey Bubba, who took over that first, uh, yeah. first episode first today. It was great. Great. Yeah. Did a great job. And it was great. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. So, you know, be tuning into podcasts. In addition to that, you know, something I'm doing, Steve, that most of the industry, it seems like, does as well is stay all over Twitter. Um, you know, there's e- even Twitter accounts at MLBHR is the MLB mm-hmm. home run update. You can sign up for alerts on your phone so you're the first one to find out if you know that guy that you almost drafted but didn't draft hits a homer or hits two homers in a game and you don't have to wait until they're at the top of the yahoo or cbs queue that says recently added and everyone else is already doing it you can get out ahead of those curves a little bit if you want to be quick to pounce 
Um, and then beyond that, I mean, the, the Discord as well. I know, Steve, you're living and breathing in there more than I am, but the Discord's another great place where people are just kind of breaking down, you know, good at bats or that was unlucky, this guy got robbed twice today, things like that. So that's just kind of a, a brain dump of some of the tools, resources I'm using uh, in this opening weekend and mainly just trying to be faster than all of my league mates. So I don't know if you have any additional things that you want to throw in there, but I think it's always good to share like best practices for people who are t- tuning in. No, I think that's great. I think notifications are uh, a great uh, tool. Um, I know that underdog fantasy, uh, there used to be like that daily MLB lineup alerts that would tweet out all the lineups, but I think they stopped this year and now it's, um, underdog underscore MLB. They basically tweet out every lineup, uh, every day. So, you know, who's playing, um, they tweet out big news. So like, you know, basically throughout the off season, it's like who gets placed on the IL call ups, and they're really, really quick. Um, so I have notifications on for that. It's underdog underscore fantasy. We actually have a channel in the Discord that's, you know, the MLB, daily MLB lineups and news. And the bot basically just posts every Twitter, every tweet that that account sends out because it's just lineups and then news. Um, so that that's a great one. I think that's a great resource. Turn on, you know, the accounts that you find useful, that MLB home run, if you want every notification for uh, every home run, uh, do that. I know they had a steals one. I, I don't know if that one's working, um, but they, they do that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're specific into like what we'll actually talk about when we pay attention to in small samples for stats and things like that. But early in the year, it's like you get a sense of like who's playing lineup construction, like you know, I, I know we, we, we do that, and, and um, I know Mike Curlin does that uh, for the Athletic and does a lot of, like, spring training lineup breakdown, but a lot of that is just teams sort of testing it and seeing what works and throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks. Like, once it's the regular season, like, you're going to, like, teams show their hands. Like, this is it. So it, it, it you, you get a sense of of what's actually going to happen. I know we'll get into some specifics that we're going to be looking at as far as like lineup position battles, things like that. But you need to just be hypersensitive. Basically this first weekend, really like you'll absorb so much more information and then it's kind of set like, right. Like it happens so quickly, like basically the second week of April, like you get into the grind and like you're used to the regular season and, and it's all mm-hmm. systems go. But the first 10 days or so, it's kind of like new and amorphous. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Surprise season. And it's only going to be like that. And you're only going to have that advantage of it being new and not everyone knowing what to expect from every single team for like a week and a half. So you just have to be hypersensitive. And I think those things that you hit on were perfect for what to look out for so, and what to use. So shifting from that, so we're hypersensitive, we're getting these alerts, and then you have the tough decision because you drafted most of these guys. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there might be one or two that you're like, I can't wait to get rid of him. You know, he's injured or it's shaken out the where he didn't, he's not getting playing time. But it's also the season of very tough decisions because you have to balance being aggressive without overreacting. So for... For every Taylor Ward, there's also an Owen Miller, mm-hmm. and I think this is something that we come up against every year. So I know there's not like a silver bullet on that 
advice, but how do you go about that, Steve, trying to find the balance of being aggressive without overreacting? Um, I think it's, it's, it's hard to not necessarily ride a hot wave. And I don't think it was bad to roster Owen Miller for the first two weeks of the last season, but you got some production, you got some production, but I think as you get more of a plates of of sample size, those things will come to fruition and, and you'll, you'll figure out one or the other that, okay, Taylor Ward is actually good and is a breakout and Owen Miller had a hot start and the league figured him out. Um, a lot of times it's hard to do this, but you'll figure it out when the player has that first slump. It's like, okay, do they adjust back? Taylor Ward adjusted back and, you know, had a, a, a strong, strong showing until he was hurt. Owen Miller, when the league adjusted, did not. So you kind of have to hold them to that through that slump. I mean, some of it's luck, right? Like you could be first to the waiver wire and have your choice of Taylor Ward, Owen Miller. You could add both and and see who 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 is actually real and and hold on to a guy for a certain sample. But you might just be a split second late and had to add, add Owen Miller, and you're kind of you know out of luck once once his run out um so i i think you have to you have to under if you understand that though if you if you know that this could go wrong quickly or it could just be something that fades out you're going to be aware and not just hold on to someone or you know be patient if you saw something um you know when we get to a stabilization point of like 50 batted balls like right to to see yeah, if there's a, yeah. there's an actual change i think that there's also things to look out for like you'll you'll be able to fit a narrative into something that's real as opposed to just a hot start like like Miller's was last year um, exactly there, there's that's, there's that's... signal there's there's signal throughout the noise right like there's actually meaningful stuff that you could figure out over a longer period of time you just have to be able to like you have to jump on Taylor Ward quickly to be able to even find out so that's why I think it's important to be hypersensitive and more aggressive than usual. I'm not saying drop your eighth round pick for this year's Taylor Ward. It's, you know, drop the guy that you drafted in the 18th round uh, and, and then yep. wait and see. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. And like to to do that with some confidence, again, it's a little bit of rudimentary advice, but don't just take the, the stat line and run with it. I mean, if you're if you're assessing the guy, you know, we're at the luxury of oversaturation of of fantasy experts to yeah. be totally honest so like you can go out to twitter and just search uh you know owen miller see if there was a swing change see if he went to driveline in the offseason see if you know he had a hot spring training like we're now quickly moving into the era where the data starts to get overwhelming it's already happening you know for months and months through february mid-march it's like yeah we already know all this we already know all this and now we're getting to a point where you know, we're almost getting all these data inputs faster than you can process them. So you kind of have to reverse engineer that and, and say like, oh, I'm interested in this guy. Let me go see what the the narrative is, like you mentioned. And you can do some of that on your own, you know, going to Baseball Savant and checking, you know, Velo or, you know, X, you know, Max EV. We'll talk about some of those things that we like to look at. But the nice part is a lot of people already have that data out there. So I think you know, it's it's like you said, Steve, 18th round, maybe even 
15th, 16th round. Like my personal view is anything after like pick 250, it's a dart throw. So if you're seeing somebody else who's enticing, who's on a hot streak, I would rather try to follow that and see what it is because every year the first two weeks of the season ends up with a guy that's, I don't want to say a league winner, but definitely a a team changer. And, And that's something you don't want to, you know, wake up in the third week of April and be like, oh, I didn't have one impact ad in the first couple weeks of the season. So that's, that's kind of my two cents on that, but it leads to, for for people who are on NFBC, fab discussions because fab is where you kind of put your money where your mouth is on that a little bit because you have to set wagers and everything. So, you know, I know there's entire shows dedicated to this. On the Wire is, is great, of course, every Sunday, again, on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. But for your kind of summary, Steve, on how you approach fab early in the season, talk to us about, like, you know, do you have a budget in mind? Does it all depend on the player? How much are you willing to kind of splurge in this first like week or two, you know, knowing that there's another 20 weeks after that, but these are the, the impact moments, right? I don't have a budget. I, I don't think it's smart to set, okay, I'm going to spend X. I don't think it's ever good to set yourself to a limit uh, any week because it's all context and team dependent, right? Um like I said, I am more aggressive in the beginning of the season. Um, just, I, it's not set in stone, but it real and and you don't need to do it, but it really really helps you if you're going to win your league. You probably need to to have an ad that happened in April that changed your season for the better. Like that, just you know, if you want to make a checklist of like things that you need to do every year to win your fantasy league, you know, it's like yeah. draft healthy first round pick, yeah, healthy yeah. first round pick, draft well, um, you know, have a late round closer that you know uh, ends up with a job, and then like have an impact ad in April, at least one, right? Because then you get that six months of production. Um, you know, it, it's something that you don't necessarily have to acquire in the trade where you're giving up much. Um, Like, you know, I don't have the numbers on this, but, you know, seven out of 10 fantasy managers say they add, you know, uh, an an impact bat or or arm in April to help them win their league. And again, it's not something that you absolutely have to do, but it's definitely like, you know, a common threat theme among winning teams so with that being said i definitely am more aggressive and then it's just team dependent like for a a a real life example yes i know no one cares about your fantasy team but in the on the wire league it's a nfbc style weekly um, mimic of you know tgfbi main event uh you know 30 man rosters weekly moves um i had jose altuve who you know i drafted this team in late January, early February, whatever it was. Um, So Anthony Volpe was still a free agent. Um, And I spent about 35% of my budget on him. Would I have done that had I not had uh, Jose Altuve? No, because I would have been set or had Altuve not been injured. Or if I had, you know, Marcus Simeon at second base, I would not have spent that much of my budget. But for that specific team, the need is there. And I'll figure out my fab later on, but I needed the impact middle infielder to fill that massive hole in my lineup or else I'm, you know, 
not going to compete. Uh, sure, Volpe's still no, a risk, he, yeah. and he might yeah. not be great, but I need to take that chance with my, what, third-round pick out for two and a half months? Yeah, so it's team-dependent. Team, that's why you how can't— How much you have a need. You right. can't say, oh, I only wanted to spend 100 bucks the first weekend max, so therefore I can't get all t- uh, Volpe— um, when he's sitting out there on the wire, and I have a whole injured Jose Altuve, like you can't do that. Um, you need to assess your situation, and each one is differently. You shouldn't put a number on one way or the other. Sure, yes, you can be more conservative and want to wait it out, and then therefore have the hammer and an edge up over certain teams later in the year. You can still do that, um, but you need to be more aggressive to fill your holes, or else you're going to be starting behind the eight ball. Dude, no one cares about your fantasy team or that you got Volpe, yeah, Steve. It's my only on share, there. so I, I had to share it. No, I'm, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, Volpe is exciting one. I, you know, and you had your home league drafts. Steve. Yeah, I mean, normally yeah. we get into this stuff. Yeah, I know yeah. it's opening day, so we're trying to keep it high and tight. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 a big that's a big get there. I think it's well worth the fab spent. Something else we were talking about before we started rolling on this was, uh, and you brought up it's a great point. If you do have dead weight on your roster and and you're putting in fab bids, you absolutely have to find a way to get yes. rid of that player. Make, so do not stop. Make your three bids. condition bids like 50 players long. It does not matter. That happened to uh-huh. me so many times last year. Um, I've, I've been better with it, but like make sure you're dropping a guy that, especially for leagues that's that drafted earlier. Like right, like I was thinking to myself too. Like, I know we like to do best balls, like, in January, February. That's kind of, like, best ball season. But, like, isn't it so much smarter to probably do best balls, like, now when rosters are set so you can, like, know Yeah, dude, I hate the, my best ball. Right? Roster. Like, yeah. right? There's so many decisions that have happened that's, like, why would I have drafted this guy if I know he's going to start in double A or something? Whatever. Uh, that's, a, that's a tangent. But, yes, make sure you're dropping the guys that you want to drop and that just aren't going to play. Or else you're going to be stuck with dead weight roster for... A whole week. Yes, I know that you, you could probably shove them on the bench, but the, that those seven bench spots in, in standard NFPC leagues get tight quickly, um, especially yeah, once. And you want to use them yeah. for speculative closing. Exactly, or exactly. There's a million reasons. Yeah, exactly. So the last the last question on the approach is related to the underperformers. Um, thinking of the the Brian Dozier, the the Travis Shaw of years past. That like it is. An investment, you know, it it is ninth round, tenth round. What's what's the prescription on how long you you hold out on on those guys? I once I once heard something that was like start at the back of your draft of like a twenty team league, yeah. add a week on for yes. each round, and, and it's like that's kind of I, a, a formula. But like, what? How do you approach that? Because it's such a headache. I think that's a good rule of thumb. I think that's a really good rule of thumb. Like the name that comes to mind is Marcus Simeon of last year, right? Like, you know, he was probably what a fourth or fifth round player and he picked it up around like Memorial day. So that was like eight weeks into the season, nine weeks, 10 weeks. So like it was pretty bleak. It was pretty bleak. Yeah. You got to let the big names tank you if it's going to, you know, like it's going to turn around for the really, really big names. So you have to be really patient with those guys. Um, but yeah, as you get towards the end, end round, that's kind of churn and burn. And that's where you need to be aggressive with the guys that are Taylor Ward and Owen Miller. And Hey, if they're Owen Miller in two weeks and 
they they stop hitting, like you just move on, try and find find the next one, or just you know use that as a streamer uh, spot. Yeah, and I know it's got you know each situation should be managed in its own right, but just to to play the game a little bit, Steve. Like I feel, you know, just looking at ADP, I kind of feel like pick two twenty, like anything after pick two twenty. I'm I'm pretty much on like a a two week max on if you're terrible. So if Jesse Winker is like one for twenty four, I'm not waiting that long. And we liked Winker mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. offseason. Yes, but when you get above pick two twenty, and you're starting to get into the world of like you know John Gray, uh, Oscar Gonzalez, Tristan Casas, like these are guys I might give a little bit more time to. And I know it's like an arbitrary endpoint there, but I don't know. There is kind of a breaking point of like investment where I'm I'm not going to be dropping in the first week or two somebody like a Joey Manessis if he's like batting 100. And, and Manessis has an ADP of 183. So like to me, I really think once you get to that that tier is when I kind of say all bets are off. It's it's what have you done for me lately? A little bit, but. Would you uh, would you agree with that, or do you think that it's not that simple? No, I I I think it's I think it's a good rule of thumb. I, I I just also think that you have to balance those sort of set in stone rules with flexibility, depending on your need and and depth what, of the league, yeah, depth the of league, what you want to do, right. um, who's out there, your specific needs. Uh, you know, are there other ways to solve your roster issues, things like that. Uh, so, but yeah, I think it's a generally it's a, it's a it's a fine rule of thumb. Okay, so that was some high level on approach, and we are going to get into the things we're watching for next. Most weight loss programs are short term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long term solution, and that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. 
Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So Steve, first and foremost, going into opening weekend, I, I think what jumps out the most is lineups. You kind of alluded to it. You know, we've all looked at roster resource. We have a, a instinct. There's reports that come out from the managers about who's going to win a position. But really, it's like rubber meets the road once the games actually start. Like there's no hiding, even for the sneakiest of managers. There's no hiding from the actual lineup card. So uh, talk about just kind of what what things you're looking for as it relates to lineups. And if you want to jump into any examples, we can do that too. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a great thing to look for. I think it's a, you know, it's it's telling if... You're going to see platoons, uh, you know, if they're batting a lefty with when they're facing tough lefties, um, you know, uh, where people bat in, in the batting order. Like, I think it's just, you know, especially for good lineups, right? Like, if you don't necessarily know, like for the Yankees, right? Like DJ Lee Mayhew, like, is he going to stick at the top of the Yankees order all season long and like sort of have a renaissance DJ LeMahieu season and stick up there? Because that would certainly change his value for kind of from where it's fallen a little bit over the last uh, year and a half or so. So things like that, I think, are are important to keep an eye on. And you get a pretty big, clean picture, like, right away. Like, yes, teams change their lineup, but there's certainly a general structure to them. And then especially for the guys that we care about, like the stud fantasy players, like, you know, they're, 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 you're going to find out their, their spot like quickly, especially for like the good teams, like for the Cardinals, like you have down here is, uh, is one that's really interesting. Like they're trying to find a leadoff hitter. Like, you know, is Tyler O'Neill going to be in the two hole? Is it going to be, you know, uh, like Newt Bar or, you know, Brendan Donovan or whoever else? Like, right. It's just, it, it, it's it's What's it's Jordan things like Walker that. Jordan, doing, yeah, dude. exactly. Where are they going to play? I know play I'm biased, Walker, man, right? but I think the, dude, the Cardinals has like I, five of the top ten I, stories. I, I, that I'm, I'm, bi- I'm biased for. too. I have four Cardinals on my home league team, so uh, I'm a <laughs> I'm a Cardinal fan with you too this year, man. I am absolutely pulling for the Redbirds. I'm all aboard the train. R- rattle them off. I mean, so you got you got Donovan and Newt Bar. Oh yeah, and then, uh, and then Goldie, Goldie, and Contreras. Yeah, yeah. Holy smokes, man! So you might have four of the top five of the line yeah, dude. yeah. that's uh, that's we'll see if i can match it my home league's absurd because central illinois we got half uh, cubs half cardinals and it's i mean jordan walker in my home league there you know i know yahoo doesn't do it but we're gonna set the min pick tomorrow night here in peoria <laughs> illinois like someone will grab him in the fourth or fifth round it's just I love it. insane my uncles don't care about the rest of the the landscape so i love it uh yeah that's the the, the cardinals like you mentioned the 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 order, but also like crowded rosters, mm-hmm. right? So I think just figuring out how do they juggle, you know, is Carlson playing every other day? Mm-hmm. If so, that's not great for Gorman, uh, Jordan Walker, Donovan. Like, you know, we'll, we'll get the answer to a lot of those questions. I think the Dodgers are an interesting one to watch because we've always known that that's a lineup we want exposure to. And it's like, you know, you got... Miguel Rojas and Vargas and like, you know, are they going to continue to have Chris Taylor be mixed in and and kind of rotating that? James Outman is another one that I think we have a lot of interest in, but it's just like, you know, what kind of opportunity is he going to get? Trace Thompson. So 
those, those are the ones that kind of, you know, they get solved after about a week. You're like, okay, I think I got a shape of what this lineup mix and match is going to be. But you brought up platoons, Steve, and I think that's a good one because some of the platoon bats, and this might be more for 12-team, 14-team leagues, not really like the deep industry, NFBC, things like that, but some of these guys who are platoon guys tend to be fringe on roster, if they're rostered or not. So, you know, a guy like Oscar Colas, supposed to be platooning, uh, you know, against left-handed pitchers. But on opening day, Colas faces or would face a left-handed pitcher. So will the White Sox start Colas on opening day? Something I'm watching. Uh, You know, Josh Naylor's rostered up, but on Friday he faces a lefty. I think something we were looking at, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz with the Padres, where Carp is supposed to sit versus the lefties. The Padres face a lefty Friday and Saturday. So two of their first three games, I think we'll see as like, is that just a hard and fast platoon there? Or are they going to mm-hmm. let Carp have a shot because he was Lou Gehrig last year? <laughs> um, you know, that those are really things that I'm interested in. I mean, we've got some other like platoon guys that, that aren't getting tested as much in this opening weekend, but just guys in general who are set to platoon who might be way more valuable fantasy-wise if they break out of that platoon role, which would be Jesse Winker, Yoshida, Tristan Casas, Massey, Ryan Noda, Jared Kelnick, uh, Garrett Mitchell as well. The Brewers outfield mm-hmm. is very, very interesting to watch. Um, so those are some names, Michael Conforto, that if they're you know getting opportunity to face both-handed pitchers, then they quickly could move from like waiver wire fringe guys to must roster in a way. Yeah, because at this point, like, you know, all these signing happens and transactions happens and guys set their roster, and we're kind of just assuming, oh, this is a lefty platoon, this is a strong side platoon, this is a weak side platoon. Like, this is where it just fits as, like, what coaches say and sort of what they're trying out in spring training. And then this is kind of what we're talking about. It's like, you really find out what they are these first few games, right? Like if, if, you know, Jesse Winker is truly signed there to be uh, their everyday outfielder versus lefties and rights, and they want to give them a full shot and not just speculation on whether it's a platoon or just, you know, because I think he has upside or whoever else thinks he has upside, maybe he could get a shot. Like we're going to find out in short order, what that is, uh, and you really only have that's why th- these weeks are important. Like, this is the real life example of why it is important to be hypersensitive because this is the only week really where that's going to be the case. Um, where we find out these guys' true roles. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great point and all great names to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that we have to pay attention to early on is the closer situations. Yep. And this is something I've been historically bad at, Steve. And I know it, it doesn't pair well with my don't pay for saves strategy. <laughs> I got, I, I've don't, changed that a little don't bit. Don't pay year. for saves, but I'm also horrible at picking up early saves. <laughs> it's basically a, a punt strategy, but I'm trying to, trying to correct my ways. Uh, I think you've had a little more success on, you know, being quick to the draw on closer battles. 
What are some closer situations that you're watching closely in, in the first week or so? Yeah, I've also been not ashamed to like roster like bad closers, which sometimes isn't a, a great investment. Like you get yeah. guys that are on these bad teams that don't get many chances and just aren't that good. So. Uh, yeah, you don't know, watch those you know, I, ones I, I, on MLB TV. Yeah, That's bad oh for your like, mental it's health. It's bad dude. watching any time you're having a closer try to save out a game. It's not healthy at all, but let alone one that no. doesn't have the greatest skills. Like, you know, uh, I don't know. I feel like I watched like Anthony Bender load the bases like five times in a save situation <laughs> last year before he was put on the IL. Um, but whatever. I can't wait to do it again this season. Um, yep. A few that come to mind, I mean, the first one is Arizona. I think it's a really interesting bullpen. Um, and Scott McHugh is the first guy that I think is going to get a chance. Uh, he closed in Japan for the last three years um, and actually got a save on Monday night in, like, their exhibition game in, like, an actual save situation in the ninth inning. So looks like he's going to get uh, the first chance there. Um, another guy that came to mind, it was – because of an Eno Saris tweet, uh, you know, uh, have to mention that at least once an episode. Um, Carlos Vargas made the team, is a good reliever, um, has the same stuff plus as Nate Pearson this spring, um, and is just an interesting guy to keep an eye on. He might not get saves right away, um, but is super talented um, and like a legit actual relief prospect and then rick graham when i posted that eno saris tweet rick Graham of in the pen and the head bullpen guy the closer uh of the of the the pitcherless bullpen rick graham the leader of the of our committee uh put out another name in the discord uh justin martinez who is a prospect but should be up at some point this year for the diamondbacks and is uh another good reliever with good good stuff so you know it's always interesting on 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 bad teams like that or teams that we think could be bad there, there there is opportunity to to run with it so um those are just a few guys that i'm watching in the arizona bullpen yeah yeah i mean some other situations to watch closely i mean some of these guys might be rostered but the dodgers obviously evan phillips has been your guy all offseason yep. steve I, I got a couple shares because of that um he's got the stuff and then bruce star gratterall is I believe he's been reported to kind of be the fireman yeah. where or, they might kind of shuffle around I, eighth inning. I think they said the exact quote last week was Evan Phillips is going to be used in our toughest situations. And I think Ooh. people are running with that as the fireman. And then it's just been kind of like assumed that Gratterall is the closer. I just I just don't buy it. I just don't think Gratterall is nearly as good. Evan Phillips is a 33% strikeout rate. Gratterall the last two years has an 18% strikeout rate and a 21% strikeout rate. I know Gratterall has the ground balls, but he just does not have the strikeout rate to be a closer. I am betting on Evan Phillips. I've, I have bet on Evan Phillips in my draft. Uh, I just think he is going to be the closer for this Dodgers team. I know Gratterall has the fastball. He has the nickname, the, 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 the elite stuff, but he just has not translated that into a K rate of a closer. Um, so I really think that Phillips is just going to run with it. That's just my weekly, I guess, you know, uh, stand for Evan Phillips to be the closer of the Dodgers. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't blame you. It's, um, it's one to watch. And, and again, in, in leagues where those guys aren't rostered, of course, you want to be watching it very closely based on. Yeah. How ro- much roster both of them are. if you can, right? Like they're yeah. both 
pitchers with a lot of skill like Phillips at the very least will help you in, in K's and ratios. Uh, and, and if you can't afford it, if someone emerges in the first week, you just drop the next one. Who knows? It might be more complicated than that. be more of a, a committee, and you kind of have to we'll decide there. But uh, you'll at least cover the bases on, on – uh, if one yeah, emerge. for one of the yeah. best teams in baseball, right? Yep, yep. And then uh, not one of the best teams in baseball, the Cubs. You've got Brad Boxberger and Michael Fulmer, who are both kind of fighting mm-hmm. for that closer role. I think it might be a closer by committee, but again, these are kind of the early weeks where we can find out if there is a trend of, of somebody, you know, basically being the hot hand for a manager to ride. So that's another situation to watch. And then in Miami, I think A.J. Puck and Dylan Floro are both in contention there as well. So, again, just some names to be watching. And, you know, if one of them struggles or has a blown save, that sometimes can be the, the preemptive fab, fab bid where you mm-hmm. can get a guy for, you know, 10 out of $1,000 rather than like 100 if, before they actually announce that, you know, somebody's going to get a shot at, at being the new closer. Yeah, that's so, a, that's another uh, thing. You could you could save yourself some bucks in fab. I remember last year, I think I added David Robertson around maybe even before uh, opening day uh, or very shortly thereafter, like week one, before he got a few saves um, just because it looked like based on usage and stuff that he was going to be the closer in Chicago and, and eventually ran with that. And, you know, also with teams like the Cubs or, or even Miami um, – Arizona too, they might want to set a set closer because then at the deadline it's easier to trade a guy who has you know twenty five saves or whatever. Uh, kind of what they did with with Robertson last year with, with, with going to Philly. So um, sometimes teams that are you know in the bottom half do like to have that closer to sort of amp up their trade value. Yep. Yeah, and then moving to starting pitchers, I think just broadly things that we want to watch for outside of obviously, you know, guys making the rotation would be when they're actually throwing, you know, be watching certain things like innings per start. That can be a a good indicator of, you know, you're looking for volume these days. uh, 180 innings is pretty much what 200 innings used to be. So if a guy who you thought was going to be on a, a bit of a limit gets a seven inning outing or a six inning outing, that that gets my attention personally. And then, you know, don't wait until the next day to kind of see what pitchers that night are doing. You can obviously filter almost any app on, you know, today's stats, look at strikeouts, look at who's, who might be, you know, having good surface level results, but then also the underlying stuff where you can go to baseball savant, uh, click on the game feed and, and right away you see top exit velocity, top pitch velocity, swings and misses. Um, I know on Pitcher List as well, there's a lot of really good tools that you can go out and look at Nick Pollock's game recaps mm-hmm. when those are available, where he kind of assesses each pitcher's, every, uh, each starting pitcher's every outing. Every single pitcher's outing is written up and recapped by Nick. So yeah, add that to your, da- yeah, add that to your daily routine. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, you know that's the morning over coffee activity right there mm-hmm. with your uh, do, you know you can do it while you're listening to first pitch so there you go but th- those are things I mean we're always looking for velo jumps we're always looking for pitch mix changers and again if you see guys that are interesting go out and, and search the name on Twitter see if there's more than meets the eye from from the box score so uh, those are some high level notes uh, again on kind of what we're looking for. Um, and then 
I think the last thing to note, Steve, is just having said what we said about underperforming guys and needing to give them some patience throughout the month of April, I think there's definitely an opportunity to pounce when people Mm -hmm. kind of cut bait too soon. So, you know, I think this happens less in industry leagues because most people kind of get that you don't want to drop a, you know, 10th round guy, but certainly in, in your home leagues or public leagues, I think there's as much of an opportunity to basically go through the rummage bin and be like, oh man, I can't believe that that guy dropped Reed Detmers after he got blown up on his first outing. So, you know, I don't know if there's that much to add to that, but I think that's one more way that you can get an edge is kind of picking up the guy who's slumping. Pay attention to who is dropped. Like if there's a sleeper or a, a starter that you like that, you know, if I don't draft a guy uh, and it's a pitcher I like, there's, Nothing I like more than when he gets rocked in the first week because there's a chance that someone else drops him, and then oh, I yeah. could add him. Uh, right? Like, there, there's nothing more that I that you know you don't root for anyone to do poorly, but it, it's just something that you know it's like, oh, like the, that was a tough one. Like, are you going to be on this person's roster tomorrow? Because I'm very, I'm still very interested in you. Um, just sort of that mentality. So just pay attention to who's dropped. Uh, and it exactly, might not be done yeah. in NFPC or, or industry leagues, things like that, but it isn't like there isn't like a transactions page, like right? Like a, at the bottom of your like Yahoo or, or Fantrax or ESPN league like there is. So for NFPC leagues, like just go to the transaction and just browse who was dropped. Um, the transaction yeah, section, ownership. yeah, look at ownership, look at who was there. Um, last week, you know, you could see the actual transactions and who was dropped on that one drop down tab. But no, it's not the most intuitive, but um, it's there. So it's definitely something that you should look at. Yeah, it, it is a good point, though, because I think we all go to the transaction yeah, trend type add, of look. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, who's been added the most? Yeah. Well, you know, Chris Sale isn't going to show up on that list because he's not getting mm-hmm. dropped in mm-hmm. league. So mm-hmm. it's like you also need to look at ownership percentage or just, you know, scour the transaction list if your league has that. But um, all things that are important to watch for. So lineups, position battles, uh, platoons or people breaking out of platoons, the closer picture, the uh, starting pitchers and kind of their under the hood stats. And then, you know, obviously any guys that were released too soon. So those are some things uh, that, that we're watching for early on and we're going to get to players we're watching for next. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. 
Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Which, Steve, that does transition us to kind of a long list of players here. So, I mean, opening up the floor, do you have a, a certain certain area or a certain guy that you've definitely got circled as like, you know, basically right on the fringe and you're like, I want to keep a close eye on what this guy does early on. Um, there's not anyone specifically. I mean, there, there's a bunch of, a bunch of names here and I think it's sort of, you know, just becomes apparent, but there's definitely, I think a good watch list. And this is sort of what I was talking about in my long winded, horrible explanation of the show. Like hopefully, <laughs> yeah, ho- uh, yeah. The inception to help your fantasy baseball team. But you know, this is ideally a watch list that, like, if you add, if you just have this on, you know, if you're looking out for this player X and they do well, like, okay, it it, it peaks it peaks my interest. But I think there's some really good names here that that I'm excited to get into. Um, well, we've we've got them bucketed in a few different categories. So the first one, which again is is kind of arbitrary, but the the infield roles. So guys who are new to being a starting infielder and have kind of that positional eligibility. And I think the first one, which we have talked about all offseason, Steve, so I've got a little bit of a personal attachment to Ellie Harris Montero with the Rockies. And a big part of this was not only that uh, Montero is playing half his games in cores, but he's got pop and what he does not have is plate discipline until this spring training where he really cut down on the strikeouts and that's what got our attention over a month ago then they signed Mike Moustakis we think the Rockies are going to Rocky and now we hear that Montero should be the starting third baseman so this is a prime example of a guy who you know in terms of where he's going it's you know he's outside of the top 500 in leagues. So this is a name that should be available in some NFBC leagues, definitely in your your public leagues or your home leagues. And, you know, playing in cores with the the type of pop that he has, and if the plate discipline has been corrected or improved, this could be a big, big value. Right now he's slated to hit seventh, and he's at that third base position, which is very scarce. He's only 24 years old, and... Yeah, Montero is one that among the list of names is kind of highest up for me because we saw last year mm-hmm. in AAA, he had 15 homers in 65 games. You know, that prorates out to like a 40 homer pace. It's just the K rate when he was up in the majors last year was 33%. And now in the in the preseason, it's been, you know, sub 15%, I believe. So it's like, this is one that I'm definitely watching. That's, that's something that is sticky that actually means something from spring training as far as like k rates uh 
that actually translates well. And I mean, he was still he showed some power too in the big leagues. He had six home runs in in, in fifty three games too. And any time that there's a chance for a Colorado Rocky hitter to sort of pop up and and be relevant, uh, it, it it grabs my attention. So yes, I think that is a great one to open up with, and I, I think it's a great call and. You know, uh, if he does get more playing time than expected and looks looking like he might, like that alone is, is something to be, you know, keep an eye on and put on your watch list for sure. Yeah, and it was actually a twenty percent strikeout rate, but he did have five home runs in twenty three spring. That's spring that's training. Sir, like if it's twenty percent, like that's you know, you're all you're all systems go there, like right, like we wanted to get like under thirty. Um, yep. So twenty percent, like. Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 in for that for that rate. Yep. So that's uh, the definition of a watchless guy for us. Um, next one is David Hensley, Steve. I know that you know this opportunity sprung up from the Jose Altuve situation, but got to be honest, I haven't really dug in that much on Hensley. Um, not sure if you've been close to this, but to me, it's like. Cheap, cheap exposure to the mm-hmm. Astros lineup. He's he's hitting in the sixth slot, which should give a lot of RBI opportunity with Alvarez, Abreu, Bregman in front of him. Um, but not sure I've done kind of the deep dive on the player himself. So at the very least, it's cheap exposure to the to the Astros lineup uh, in you know an 80th, 90 percentile outcome. Like this might be a good player on the Astros lineup like uh at triple a last year in 104 games he had 10 homers 20 steals uh so you love to see that um mm. doesn't strike out that much always has a carry rate around 22 percent at a 17.2 percent uh walk rate at triple a last year Whoa. so knows how to take a walk uh you know his his walk rate always has been around basically 10 percent uh at, at least uh throughout all his stops in the minor minors um so so this guy, yeah, this guy's there, an OVP there's some, guy. there's some plate skills there. He's six six one ninety, so like a really big guy. That's really strange for a second baseman. Um, so definitely he's, intriguing. He's stealing, he's stealing all yeah, these. Bags. Like if you have that's Altuve in a deeper league, like you should, this should be your 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 stopgap, right? Right? Like at least the first shot stopgap. Like it should be exposure to the Astros lineup. This guy could be good. There could be some speed uh, in an OBP league. You know, I would absolutely in a deeper OBP league uh, be looking to, to add him. So um, definitely, definitely a, a good and intriguing name. And, you know, the Astros are, uh, you know, a, a player development haven, right? Like they, they that's sort of what they yeah. do. Like Jeremy Pena, you know, seamlessly replaces uh, Carlos Correa. Like, you know, they, they, they're good at building baseball players and developing baseball players. So, I am definitely interested in David Hensley. Yeah, and he's played around the infield. Uh, he's DH, second base, third base, shortstop. shortstop. But he actually he did have an appearance Left in the field, outfield yep. last year. Mm-hmm. So that kind of has my attention to where mm-hmm. maybe this isn't just a rental if like Brantley has know, a setback. Chas McCormick, yeah. yeah, an injury or you know the I mean honestly the Astros outfield with Beyond Tucker, there, is Chas yeah. McCormick, and Jake Myers. There's some weak spots of entry. Uh, in the Astros lineup, and I think that's a a, a good segue by uh, not your normal host, but uh, but for me with Yiner Diaz, uh, who just got announced to, that he made the Astros and as the backup catcher, 
And, you know, he's a decent prospect. I think he's their number three prospect and is interesting. Uh, I think it's another name to watch. Like Martin Maldonado is still the catcher there. I know he's a good fielder, but he's like 36 year old and is basically an automatic out at the plate at this point. So um, if Yanner Diaz does anything with, with the bat, uh, it, it could be interesting. Last year, Triple A had 16 homers and 201 at bats. Um, had a 17.8 percent strikeout rate, uh, just a six percent walk rate. But I mean, that was a, a 930 uh, OPS and a 121 WRC plus. Has put up pretty good numbers with the stick, uh, basically throughout his whole minor league career. So uh, he also popped nine more homers in 57 games uh, at Double A last year. So um 25 homers total uh in about you know 110 games last year so uh really really interesting uh and cool that he made the team definitely someone to keep a watch list on if you're looking for a second catcher or you know maybe someone that could steal the role uh for the Astros yeah and he was fifth in uh in the spring training for at bats mm-hmm. so they the wanted Astros. to see what he got and, yeah yeah and he hit 325 with an 892 ops so yeah that's a that's a good watch list one for sure steve so i, I like that nice segue thank you thank you thank you learn from the best what you're doing learn from the best yeah well you put me on the spot here i have no segue <laughs> to get to Derek hall maybe injury another injury guy <laughs> Uh, so yeah, with the unfortunate news on on Reese Hoskins, uh, I know this is kind of two week old news, but uh, Derek Hall is, is a name that is going to be kind of cheap pop. Uh, another one that is set to platoon, but maybe not. He is also set to hit cleanup for the Phillies. And Hall came up last year and had a pretty loud sample size with just forty two games and hit nine home runs. So that's a, yeah, the 272 ISO is very impressive there. He has some plate discipline issues as well. So uh, be watching the, the K rate there. But I think Derek Hall is a, a really good one to watch in kind of this opening weekend. I mean, if you remember, uh, it's it's kind of not that different from when Reese Hoskins came up mm-hmm. and he was just hitting home runs like seemingly every plate appearance. But right now Hall is just 20% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, he's not a spring hen. He's 27 years old. So I think that they're probably viewing this as, you know, a, a prove yourself moment for Hall. And yeah, I think this is a, a good one to watch. I mean, in terms of splits, he really has struggled against lefties. So that's something to watch. Mm-hmm. But you you could see him kind of be in that like Jock Peterson type uh, where maybe he still delivers value because you're getting his best plate appearances. So that's that's Derek Hall, which is another good one. Uh, Steve Nolan Gorman, I know, is is a Cardinal. He's set to be the DH, uh, at least starting out. But some interesting stuff that uh, we were talking about earlier, if you want to talk through some some of that behind-the-scenes interest in Nolan Gorman this offseason. Yeah, shout-out to uh, Dan Weber, a listener who uh, gave a shout, asked us to uh, talk about him on the pod, and it, I think it's a great fitting sort of watch list. Uh, he sent over a tweet from Brendan Tuma, um, who actually works for Underdog Fantasy, does a lot of their uh, their good stuff over there. He said that Nolan Gorman made an adjustment to counter the high fastballs that 
you know, gave him a ton of issues last year. He's having an amazing spring. Nobody's talking about it. He's second base eligible in leagues and waivers. It makes sense to roster him initially and just drop him if it doesn't work out. So exactly sort of what we're talking about, like a shallow position, guy that has a lot of skills, good pop, made a adjustment, a swing change, whatever have you, to adjust to the high fastballs that gave him trouble. And, you know, you basically just have to hope and see and and, and wait to see if it, if it works out. Like, Gorman is the perfect example uh, to, to give it a ride because if he does come out and have five homers over the weekend, like, it's going to be mm-hmm. a bidding war to get him on that first Sunday, right? So add him now and then see where we're at, or uh, you know, uh, come a week and a half from now. Yeah. Yeah, and Gorman, I mean, in spring training, he did have four home runs, uh, a 9-11 OPS, which is exciting, but I do a little cold water. He did have a, a strikeout rate over 30%, so we'll see if some of that changed. Um, it kind of reminds me, though, uh, another point is the uh, the old Jonah Heim use case where even if a guy you're interested in has had some, you know, a couple 0 for 4 games, and you're like, man, I was really hoping to see a breakout for Gorman. Something that we like to do is go to, if you go to their Baseball Savant page and go to the game log, usually after the day after the game, it'll actually re- upload Every the video, video yeah. of each of their at-bats. So that's where I think it was with Heim that we saw when he was going on a homer binge, he had like four or five outs mm-hmm. in that that streak where he hit five home runs in six games or something. During that time, he had four or five outs that were at the warning track, and so that just hits a little different than like grounding into a double play. So that's that's another kind of sneaky tactic. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested in Gorman. I know they optioned uh, Yepes, which kind of frees up a little bit of elbow room for some of those guys. But I, I'm somewhat skeptical and, until I see kind of the strikeout rate uh, to really be buying in on Gorman, uh, at least at the moment. Obviously, he's got a lot of development ahead. So uh, those are some some infield guys there uh, that we wanted to start with. And then shifting to outfield, which, you know, this year, name of the game is that outfield is thin, looking for any help that we can get. And the Brewers are one of those lineups that we're going to be watching closely Garrett Mitchell is set to, uh, you know, he's supposed to be starting and also hitting seventh in that lineup, possibly platooning. But another name, and I got to give a shout out to uh, Scott White over at CBS, who uh, talked about how Joey Weimer is uh, another guy who made their roster. And Weimer has some very interesting uh, minor league stats, power speed combo. And if this guy can break through, uh, it's very interesting. 70 grade raw power, 70 grade speed. And last year uh, across double A AA and triple A had 21 homers and 31 steals. And that's with hitting a respectable batting average of like 270. So this is, uh, you know, this is one that's got my attention. I don't know. I, like I put in a, kind of a provisional bid uh, on NFBC because we don't know what the playing time is going to look like yet. But he's a prime example of like, Watch the lineups, add the guy to your watch list, and if they start, you know, whether there's an injury or they just start giving him uh, some opportunity there, he could run with the job. So uh, I know Sal Freelick is on the way for the Brewers as well, but they need all the help they can get with that outfield uh, with Brian Anderson and Garrett Mitchell alongside uh, Christian Yelich there. So Quick note, uh, Joey Weimer was sent down to minor league camp on Monday. 
Uh, he lost out oh, on the God. last roster spot to no one else other than Owen Miller. <laughs> oh man, so we yeah, so just need to delete that segment, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. I think uh, I think it's still I think I think it's still a good watch list candidate. Like he probably you know being the last cut, I think he would get the first shot over someone like Freelick, who I think might be a little bit further away. Weimer seems like he's a little bit closer, so definitely still watch list worthy for sure. I think. So who who got who got the the spot over him? Owen Miller. Oh my God, man, are you kidding? Me? Okay, well, I, I don't know. I guess Owen oh, Owen Miller might need to be on the watch. No, no. Oh no, God. No. Uh, any other outfielders you want to to hit on, Steve? That you're watching for in the first week or so? Blake Sable. Um, he was a Rule Five pick uh, from the Pirates. Uh, shockingly, got absolutely devastated in the Rule Five draft. Uh, by the Giants, and it was announced that he made the opening day roster and is going to play some outfield. He should be catcher eligible in most most leagues. He is going to play some catcher as well, but it looks like he is going to play um, in the outfield for the most part. Uh, 19 homers, 10 steals uh, across two levels, double A AA and triple A last year. Uh, had a 157 WRC plus in 25 AAA games, uh, 124 WRC plus in 98 AA uh, games for the Pirates organization last year, and it's looked like he's going to get a real shot uh, by the Giants. So uh, definitely someone that I am keeping an eye on. Uh, and I did see his name in a few fab spots this weekend when it was announced that he he made the Giants. So uh, I'm interested in Blake Sable, uh, and he will be on my watch list i'm adding him to my home league watch list right now yeah that's a great one i I mean he carries the c even in nfbc Mm -hmm, league mm -hmm. so it's it's a really good one uh he might be putting our boy eric haas out of a job steve as kind of this uh bargain catcher outfielder um so yeah I, i think that's a good one he's another one that the projections just don't quite match what he's done to date so he he's been over the past couple of years, uh, batting average has been well above like 280 most of the time, and his projections have him hitting like 230. So maybe that's part of what's keeping his helium down is just kind of lukewarm projections. But yeah, I think that's uh, you know one of those cheat code catcher moves that we're always a fan of. You know, going back to Kiner Falefa and all, all those. Anytime you can get the volume at catcher with somebody who's not a negative is a huge plus. So that, I think that's a great name. Okay, well, let's move to, I, I mean, a couple other names, Steve, aging guys, whether we're watching them for, for better or worse. But Eduardo Escobar uh, is kind of in the in the role for the Mets and unfortunately blocking Brett Beatty. Um, but I, I think we're watching that kind of for the opposite reasons to see if see if Escobar struggles early on. I mean, he's 34 years old. Beatty is clearly, you know, the the third baseman of the future for the Mets. So I think that's more like a stash play. But if he is struggling, I'd rather get out in front of that with a cheaper mm-hmm. bid than basically be caught in the bidding war, like you were saying. So I think that's uh, another one that I don't know if you got anything to add, but obviously Beatty is a blue chip prospect that that should be on everyone's rosters the second he gets called up. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a great call. Yeah, and then you had Nelson Cruz, Steve. I had Matt Carpenter. I mean, what do you what are your thoughts on Cruz? I feel like Carp 
is probably going to get a majority of the at bats with the being on the the better side of the platoon. Um, but what's what's grabbing you with Cruz? So uh, this actually came about because of a Rob Silver tweet. Um, he just put out a tweet: a player who isn't drafted in any of my drafts this weekend, but will be on my fantasy team, in two, be on every team in two weeks, and that's Nelson Cruz. And I saw our. our Boy, former guest of the pod, Alex Chamberlain, who loves uh, Nelson Cruz, uh, endorse it. Um, so it, it's just it's just interesting. And then Alexander Chase uh, at Chase Rate, uh, formerly of Pitcher List, um, you know, uh, I, I think put out a, a tweet that you. I think there was something with Cruz's eyesight last year that he potentially corrected. Um, so just something to keep a keep a lookout for, like. There's not much that needs to go right for Nelson Cruz to be awesome in San Diego, right? Like, uh, you know, he was still being drafted as this aging wonder, right, uh, as early as last year. So if there was something, um, you know, potentially wrong there, uh, it, it, it's easy to see it going right if, there, if there's something corrected uh, with Cruz. So that yeah. that there, I think for Carpenter too, like, right, like, if if that small sample from last year was was real, like they're going to, he's like the Yankees were forced to play him every day. He could yep. easily force the Padres to play him every day if that continues. Yeah, and that was all based on swing changes mm-hmm. and a lot of work that he had done. So it didn't really like drop out of the sky when you when you took a closer look at it. So you know, I think Carpenter has been a super sneaky play. I, I've got him. You know, I might have as many Carpenter shares as anybody across NFBC leagues, like and his ADP is like six thirty. So, you know, he is completely free. And this is a guy who, probably for as much as a month last year, was the number one fantasy player just for how mm-hmm. hot he was running. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there are way worse, uh, you know, bets to to place on that late in drafts or on the waiver wire. So, uh, I'm interested in Carpenter, and yeah, Cruz. That's a that's a good shout too. It was a year ago to date when we were saying this could be the David Ortiz where he just kind of continues to produce. Uh, we even liked, after his slow start last year, we did a, a show on like buying bounce backs and we liked a lot of Cruz's underlying numbers. So, yeah, if there is, you know, a narrative on on the vision and that could help him, you know, it, it's just going to be a playing time situation. But obviously another great lineup to get exposure to. So, couple of good, great names there on uh, the other side of the age curve. So Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter. Uh, I think either one would probably be hitting in like the middle third, around like sixth or seventh in that lineup, which still is a lot of RBI chances. So I like it a lot. Yeah, I know Cruz is you know definitely more of a DH, and the reports right now are that they're going to share um, – the the designated hitter role, but Carpenter has played around basically at all in first other base, than short, base. like yeah. outfield, first base, second base, third base. I don't think he'll be at second or third, but they could shove him in a corner, play him at first. Uh, like, David Dahl's in right it, field. Yeah, like yeah, they they could they could easily find a spot for him. Um, you know, do some shuffling there. Uh, and get a spot uh, for 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 both of them if their bats are forced to stay in the lineup, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. 
Shifting to rotation guys that we're watching early on, um, the Atlanta Braves is probably the, the the most important one just because you got wins potential. It's obviously a great ball club. And in the interim right now, because they're kind of faced with some injury, the rotation looks a little top-heavy. And some new names at the bottom of the rotation are Jared Schuster. And then also, is it uh, Dylan Dodd mm-hmm. who's who should be mm-hmm. kind of rounding out that rotation? Yep. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, Dodd, it, it seems like, is probably a little bit more short-term. But in the minors, he's, he's posted a strikeout per inning. Uh, you know, he's just 24. Like this is this is a guy who, you know, I, I think at least because he's on the Braves is worth watching and just if nothing else, just put him on the watch list. And then with Schuster, you know, this one is a little bit longer term where he should have a, a nice runway to, I don't know, maybe two months into the season um, where I think he's going to have a role here. So Schuster, in terms of like the profile is not quite as much of a strikeout guy. Um, at least last year in, in the 50 innings that he had, he was well under a strikeout per inning um, in AAA. But overall, anytime the, the Braves, mm-hmm. it's another kind of mini pitching factory mm-hmm. that I think you just owe it to, you know, the, the roster, the volume, the Braves as a franchise to have these guys on the watch list. So I don't know that I'm like in a hurry there, Steve, but I think those are two guys to just keep an eye on. I don't know if you got anything to add on. Yeah, something to just keep in mind. I think one of those spots is just because Kyle Wright's like going to miss just like one start, essentially. Like He's just coming back. Uh, it was the shoulder yep. soreness, though, so whenever you see that, it's a little bit concerning, and all that ha- needs to happen is one more hookup for, hiccup or, or delay for there to be an extended time. And then another guy that has had trouble staying healthy to say the least uh but that's Mike Soroka who should in theory be coming back for those so those are if those two guys and that's a big if come back on time those are that's those those are those two spots but definitely intriguing uh, you know they had a guy like Kyle Muller who was really good at AAA and they obviously had the pitching depth to be able to move on from it and these are those guys so um definitely worthy of you know, um, starts if if their schedules are easy uh, to begin with. Uh, that's another great thing to a resource that we should have mentioned and should have mentioned at the top of the show. But Dave Swan put out uh, the expected pitching schedules uh, for the first two weeks of the season, so you can kind of already see the matchups and what they're potentially going to be for everyone's rotation. So for those good starts, I would definitely start Schuster and Dot. Yeah, great call. That's a, a streaming tool mm-hmm. for the ages mm-hmm. there with, with Dave Swan's list there. Um, the next one we wanted to talk about was Ryan Pepio. I would talk about exposure to good teams. The Dodgers should have Pepio as a starter. He had some spot starts last year. I think we were all kind of on and off on, on adding Pepio. And he's been solid. I mean, he's a strikeout pitcher. Uh, last year he had 42 strikeouts and 36 innings. Uh, he's had well over a strikeout per inning in uh, the the preseason so far, and yeah, I mean there's there's some good stuff here. He, he mainly works in uh, a four seamer, changeup, and slider, but yeah, it's, Pepio's a name that we've been talking about, Steve, for at least a year and a half as someone that we're just watching. Uh, I don't know that it's a rush to add 
uh, well, right away because he's had some walk issues. Yes. But Pepio is is interesting. If that if the walk issues are resolved, then it's a rush to add. I think the command. I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you from the spring, but I believe the command has been better. I think the walks have been better. Um, like he has like the changeup is legit. Like the stuff is is good. Uh, as shown by the amazing strikeout rates at the minors and then a more than serviceable strikeout rate uh, last year. Just an 11% swinging strike rate last year, though, which is interesting for a 26% uh, K rate. That doesn't quite add up, but I don't think this stuff's a question. It's more of the command, and if the walks are better, I would be rushing to add Pepe out. And, like, honestly, if it's a favorable start to start the season... um, I would add him anyway to sort of hold on and wait and see, uh, even if I don't necessarily start him, but have him on my bench and then see how the command is. Because if it is better, uh, it, it could be a big breakout. Yeah, and the the strikeouts have been there, but the walks have as well. So he Got has it. 24 strikeouts and 17 innings in the preseason, but also has nine walks mm. uh, across the 17 innings. So has it fully corrected it? The ERA hasn't looked great, a 519 ERA, but how much do you read into some of that stuff in spring training? I mean, you might have been working on pitches. Uh, overall, I think the idea is, you know, anytime you have a stuff guy with the Dodgers and they've been as good as any team in developing pitching talent, um, I think, yeah, it's it's watch list and maybe one start away, one good start away from being a, a rush to add. So mm-hmm. Pepio probably very much above uh, Schuster and Dodd in terms of our attention early on in the season. Um, you know, some other guys, Steve, I don't know. I mean, David Peterson got that mm-hmm. fifth role. I know we like Tyler McGill, who would be kind of that SP6 odd man out if there is an injury. But Peterson, by all means, flashed some good starts last year. And I think it's a prime example. I mean, I was clamoring all offseason for the Cardinals to make a trade to try to get Peterson or McGill. So I like Peterson. I think he's a good one and kind of under-rostered at like 17% in Yahoo leagues right now. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything on Peterson or if there's any other uh, guy who you want to highlight that's kind of new to a rotation. No, I think it's a a good name for a watch list. Uh, Kyle Bradish is a popular um, breakout pick. I know Paul Spore wrote him up for a breakout pitcher. Um, Spring wasn't great in terms of the surface numbers, but he did have a good strikeout to walk ratio Um, was sort of given that, that spot. I know it, came not necessarily directly at the expense of Grayson Rodriguez not making the team, but British is, has the talent and, and definitely is a guy that, I, that I'm watching. Camden Yards is now a pitcher park. Um, he uh, Spore, Paul Spore mentioned this in his article, and I remembered it vividly. He had like a 8.2 inning, 10 strikeout shutout versus the, you know, one, one out away from a shutout versus the Astros at the end of the last year. Um, which was kind of like an eye-popping moment. Um, so he has the stuff too and definitely is, is an interesting watch list name for me. Uh, maybe it's more on the deep list uh, starting pitchers that we'll get into, but um, definitely, uh, you know, he, he has a rotation spot. So um, it is intriguing for sure. Yeah, and I mean, those those are guys who are new to a role. I, I think like the yeah, next yeah. batch we have is, is deep guys who in a lot of cases mm-hmm. are, are just as interesting. Um, names that we've kind of cooled familiar off on names, just because yeah. we, yeah, familiar names. But Josiah Gray great is a spring. huge one. And he's had a, yeah, he's had a great spring. 
you know, 14 strikeouts over 16 innings in in spring, which isn't the eye popper, but just two walks is. And Gray was another guy coming from the Dodgers to the Nationals that we all were rushing to add and couldn't wait to see what he does. And I think it's just a reminder that, you know, the pitching growth isn't linear, prospect growth. And, and I know the Nats haven't been great at developing talent, especially pitching. But I think Gray has enough of a prospect pedigree that it's very, very interesting. Um, the next one, which is probably the, the most exciting name across the board and might be rostered quite a bit, but Graham Ashcraft, who was a name throughout last year that we were kind of highlighting from show to show, but Ashcraft has upped his velocity considerably this spring. Um, He had 10 strikeouts in, in six innings less than a week ago. So I think, you know, the, the, the note that a lot of people are talking about with Ashcraft is a new slider grip that he's been putting out, but yeah, this is a guy who's pretty much leading most pitching leaderboards in spring training. I know it's not the best home park with the Reds, but yeah, Ashcraft is one that I think is, I mean, I don't know if he's must roster, but close he's to pretty it. close, Steve. Yeah. If there was, we, we, we need to name like the spring training hype pitcher award that, you know, the out of nowhere hype, this yeah, the, the Kikuchi Award. Yeah, the yes, that's a great name for it. The Kikuchi Award. Uh, that this year it goes to maybe Kikuchi himself because he has like you know thirty <laughs> strikeouts this spring training as well. Um, we 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 would joke too in our home league. Uh, you know, one of our buddies when when Hyunjin Ryu would come up, he he had thirty Ks and thirty or thirty strikeouts and thirty <laughs> spring training innings, and you know we were. Yeah, it was before uh, before a Ryu breakout, and like we we're like, yeah, well, it was a running joke that you know, big yeah, deal, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, Ryu. and like yeah. we would send pictures of like you know, uh, Billy Crystal with the Yankees taking a spring training it back. Yeah, he struck out Billy Crystal in spring training. Now everyone's hyped about it. So, <laughs> uh, but for Ashcraft, um, you know, you watch this guy like he has like a ninety nine mile an hour cutter. You know, uh, throws super hard, has this amazing stuff. And then last year, it's like, how does that translate to just a 15% strikeout rate? And it was just a matter of tweaking a few things, whether it's sequencing a new slider grip. And it, it, he has all the raw tools to be this great pitcher. Uh, and, and not only a great pitcher, but like a great strikeout pitcher, which is amazing for fantasy purposes. And it might be happening. And I'm wanting him on every one of my team like I want to find out with him on my team like Ashcraft right. is a guy that I'm adding now uh and and willing to find out because it looks like it's about to happen yeah and even in the past few days his ADP is just 369 mm-hmm. he's around names like Mitch Keller uh Kyle Bradish as mm-hmm. well um and then like Alex Wood Nick Martinez but with the ceiling for Ashcraft, I think I would uh, choose him there over all those names. I know Keller is kind of – he's another candidate, right, for the offseason hype. Exactly. Um, yeah, we can name the all, award We're always him, talking yeah. about him. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, Ashcraft is a great name there. Um, I threw some other ones, Steve, uh, some other ones out here with Kyle Muller, Rolanzi Contreras, uh, Johnny Brito from, that's going to get a spot with the mm-hmm. Yankees with Severino's uh arm issues but you know i'm not sure how much there is to add here other than the fact that like all offseason we're looking at these super deep targets 
you know, for a best ball or like a 50 rounder. And when we get into the home league landscape where you can't roster all these guys, I think it's just important to, you know, kind of star these as, as watch list players. And, you know, I don't know if there's any ones that jump out. I mean, Rowanzi, it wasn't, we're not far away from the hype train no. on him. So that that's that's probably above the other two. Definitely Rowanzi, then Moeller, then Brito. I and, think. like, you can't roster all these guys. So like, don't, you know, if you don't have Graham Ashcraft or, like, you know, you didn't just pick up. Like, there's plenty of lottery tickets. Like, they're essentially lottery tickets. Some of them are smarter than others. Whatever. Like, you know, there there's names to add and 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 guys to go around to to be able to to jump on. It's just that's why it's good to have so many names and, and things to look out for. So it's not like the end of the world if you if you're not able to add one of them. And you also shouldn't be adding all of them because not all of them are going to pop, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a good way to round it out, yeah. but. You know some of the themes. Obviously, let's let's uh, focus on being aggressive. You you don't want to miss opportunities here, uh, but but make sure it's guys. And, and that's why hopefully you drafted names mm-hmm. that you'll know pretty quickly, or you know you're not stuck with the headache ones that you want to hold on to. It's like pretty quickly you find out if they're drop worthy or not. But uh, got some names, some some strategies, some tactics, but. It is uh, opening day, Steve. So I'm uh, I'm super excited. Like I said, I hope my my plain Wi-Fi is strong so I can stream all these. But can't wait, man. Our next show, we're gonna be talking about stats, and we'll have a, a good amount. Yeah. Because we'll be uh, two weeks in. So uh, I'm super pumped, man. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, happy opening day. Merry Christmas. It's it's great to be back. As always, you guys can. Follow us on Twitter at WinsBookPod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. We'll be here every Thursday throughout the season, so appreciate you guys tuning in with us. And, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. You guys can email the show, WinsAboveFantasy at gmail.com, or send us a tweet if there's a player you want us to break down or any questions you have for your leagues. Uh, We are more than happy to work them into the show. But that wraps us up for episode 93. Happy opening day, everybody. And thanks for talking baseball. Thanks for listening, guys. Happy opening day. Enjoy the baseball.